Welcome to Gospel Central, where we discuss topics that will encourage Christians to live their lives in a way that's pleasing to God. We're especially interested to know how the very center of the Christian faith, that's the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection, empowers us to live such lives. So we're your hosts, I'm Simon. And I'm Matt. And we're glad that you joined us today. All right, Ed, today we're going to be talking about physical gatherings and mm. are they important for church? So let me ask you, are physical gatherings important? Do churches have to meet? Do people have to go to the same location? Well, it depends on who you're asking. And well, based asking on you. based on the experience of many people last year, right? I think uh, during the pandemic, what peop- a lot of people are realizing is that what do they come to church for? can actually pre- pretty much consume virtually. Okay. Um, I mean, there are some folks whom they might feel that, you know, if you move them back a year time, you know, ask them, is physical gathering important? They will say without a doubt. Um, not sure about the reasons why they say that, but now if you move them back into our current time, they will say, no, it's okay. I still get my sermons. I still get my songs, worship songs. In fact, uh, until more, most recently, people weren't even able to sing in services, right? Physical services. And whereas they can just, you know, sing out loud um, as much as they like at home, if uh, you know, for example. So um, it would seem to me that now a lot of people's their understanding would be that physical gatherings, they are great. It is not a necessity. And a lot of what I want from church, hearing God's word, seeing, seeing God's truth, sounds to me, that we don't really need physical services. All right, so let me ask you, uh, tell me about you last year. What is it like for you in terms of your family, not being able to gather with people uh, and being a pastor as well? Like, what is the experience like for you? Now, for me personally, it was, um, it was challenging. We have four children at home. Getting them to sit down um, in front of a live stream would be a challenge already. Um, and um, at some point you start to miss people um, and we definitely we definitely felt that it helped when later on when things opened up a bit uh, we were out of circuit breaker or lockdown in some other countries um, and we were able to host people at our homes okay so did you do that regularly? we did that we did that we, we did that actually almost every week actually probably uh, in the last half of the year okay yeah yeah, we did almost every week for the last half of the year and we were we were we were so happy. We were so happy to have people around, people whom we can fellowship with, people we can see and talk and it was it was great. It was great. I mean honestly I think that uh I think my wife probably teared actually. She's not a she's not an emotional woman by any stretch, if you know her. I'm actually the emotional one. But I think that she actually teared actually, I know that the, about you Ed. The the she actually teared probably like the first couple of times when we were people at home and we were all singing together. Mm. It was, it was very moving, right? To have um, to be able to sing together, people. Well, I guess in some ways that's the uh, that's what we don't realize about how we think about church. We're inclined to think about it just through what we're consuming in terms of the kind of obvious aspects of church: sermons, uh, singing. But we don't realize how I guess God's designed the church to be a body where there's so many aspects of His grace that are mediated mediated to us through people, relationships, interactions. Yeah, um, so it's like um, we are not designed to. Um, we're not designed actually to live unto ourselves, and and I think there's a sense in which I, um, 
which were not actually supposed to live as merely as mere individuals or even as mere nuclear families. Um, just ask anyone who's been in lockdown last year. Um, but there seems to be a whole variety of relationships that you actually need to be in that we are sometimes unaware of that actually keeps us healthy, um, I mean, mentally speaking and probably spiritually speaking as well. That's right, yeah. If I think about last year, what is really tough being a pastor, preacher, having to travel down to a church office, seeing like five people in the studio preaching to a camera, getting back in a, a grab, driving back and just feeling like, oh mm. my gosh, is this what my job has been reduced to? Not being able to see and love and interact with people at all. And then I kind of contrast that with being able to gather now again for us mm-hmm. um, at City mm-hmm. Leisure and just the joy that you get from after service, mingling with people, looking right. in their eyes, right. seeing them, seeing their smile, seeing how they're doing. Uh, right. Man, there is so much joy wrapped up in those experiences. And that's surely a part of what God's intended for us to enjoy um, in the church itself. So tell me a little bit what it, a little bit um, about how you found gathering again and what some of those interactions have been like and how you've enjoyed them. I guess we're not exactly back to full normality, right? Uh, in Singapore, we are still having to be on mask, uh, for example. So initially, I must say that the first experience of gathering was a little bit underwhelming. Yeah. Right? Um, we have not gathered for so many months. We will get it in... Uh, uh, for circumstantial reasons, we were gathered in a pretty dark room. That's right. And and people were on mask. And up till now, I still realize that my internal face recognition algorithm probably runs like slightly, <laughs> like there's a lag of maybe two or three seconds. <laughs> uh, I mean, because as as a pastor, you sort of greet people on their way out. Right. right? You're not supposed to mingle, but you can greet them on their way out. And I try to call their names as they go out and I try to make it personable but sometimes I realise that it's only after they have turned and they're walking out the corridor the, 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 that, that like uh, dark corridor then I realise oh actually that's <laughs> that's that's their name <laughs> I'm exactly the same as you I've had many of those moments where it does feel like the lag has meant that I haven't been able to greet them personally by name but it has been so wonderful to see people mm-hmm. I think it's been strange to see some mm. people who've come back to church and have had babies since mm. uh, the last time that I saw them physically mm-hmm. uh, or heavily pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's it's even some of those like visual cues that we mm. are such a rich part of our church experience. Right. You're seeing someone who's struggling with cancer, who's got their hands raised and worshiping Jesus mm-hmm. during songs. And you realize, oh my gosh, their faith is so strong. Right. They're really trusting God that really mm. edifies and builds you up. Uh, you're seeing someone's joys or someone's mm. tears in mm. services. You're asking someone mm. how they are and they're sharing about their tough week but how they're still trusting God or they're mm. asking you to pray for them. Mm. And this is all part of what God's given us to actually mm. make church church, mm. which is why the Zoom just is not able, or live stream at the very least, is not able to replace what it means to actually physically gather and be with people. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I realized is that I, I didn't realize that I would... I would miss uh, small talk. Now, if you ask me, um, personally, I naturally would not like small talk. Now, I know that small talk is probably like um, subjective to everyone, but even those, I mean, like what you say, those kind of like mini conversations with people, right? Right, right after church, it's just maybe it's just a couple of exchanges. How are you doing? How are you, I mean, how are you doing this week? And people just give you a response. Maybe it's one word, or maybe a one sentence answer, and you right. and, and you see whether there's a need to actually follow up or 
or, or that but or even just like the slight banter you have like getting in a small crowd after church outside um you know and joining them for a little bit of conversation just two or three minutes before i rush off to my next meeting with someone right um you realize that those things we have taken them for granted and i think one of the reflections i have is that because um we are um sorry because i'm i'm computer science background right i guess the way i think about it is that we are as humans we are made for analog and not, we're not made for digital <laughs> Okay. If you know what I mean. What I want to mean meant by that is that even in relationships, there's a sense in which I think that we we grow in relationship with each other in in very small and sometimes imperceptible incremental steps. Okay. You know, is that that eye contact? Is that um, you know, I think one of service leaders in our church did a brilliant thing saying that make eye contact with everyone. We can't, we can't talk, but let's try to make as many eye contacts as anyone as possible in this room. I thought that was nice actually because people were making meaningful contact even just right. by looking at each other. But then there's the next step, right? Which is like the greeting, the saying hello, things like that. And um, you realize that all what are all these? All these are actually scaffoldings to the deeper, the more serious and the more edifying conversations that you can have mm. with each other. You don't just go from zero to 90 just like immediately. You need to have those like moments where I you know that it's kind of these things actually build kind of some kind of trust Absolutely. some kind of bridge yeah. for us to actually then enter into deeper conversations yeah I think that's a brilliant way to describe it that we don't just go from like zero to a hundred kilometers an hour um, immediately and in many ways those little micro interactions you have every week lay the platform mm-hmm. that if there's a problem or crisis in your life or you need prayer mm-hmm. actually that person's not a stranger you may not know them well but there's enough interaction over a sustained period of time where you're able to say hey would you mind praying for me or be able to reach out and as yeah. pastors we kind of trade on that so much right right uh, i mean how often do we sit down and have a one hour conversation with members of our church actually not very often mm-hmm. uh but if every Sunday we've got at least five seconds, seven seconds, right, even eye exactly. contact saying hi, there's a sense that we're connected, we're part of the same body, and and they know that they you know that they know that you remember their names, absolutely. For example, that's that personal touch. Yeah. It makes it so easier for us to call them out and say, hey, I'd like to meet you for one hour, even though you have not actually spoken to each other for months. Absolutely. And the person doesn't feel like this is a strange thing to do. That's right. That's right. I think another another thing to think about is just how the church meets so many. Um, even like psychological needs that we are probably not even aware of. Mm -hmm. If we think about the fact that scripture talks about the church being a family, Mm. uh, how does that family work? What does that actually look like? And Mm -hmm. we realize, well, it's impossible to be like a proper family in the richness of that um, kind of term if you're simply consuming a sermon and some songs uh, over the internet and you're sitting in your pajamas at home. Um, (laughs) And... I guess Which you have done last year? <laughs> no, I certainly deny that completely. Uh, all right, maybe some Sundays when I wasn't preaching and we didn't have people over. But the truth is, I think a lot of people... So I spoke to a lot of people in the beginning of the, the pandemic who said, you know, actually, they feel like it's working so well to do live stream at home. They've still mm-hmm. got their CG, they've got these relationships, mm. and they're not really missing out too much. And I think experientially for some people, that's probably true. Mm-hmm. If you are, in a sense, trading on um, the rich social relationships that you had invested in, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of social capital that you had before lockdown began. And so to move some of those online, yeah, you can kind of continue those in some ways. But if you were to think about someone who maybe becomes a Christian during lockdown or s- seeks to join the church, 
What right. kind of a family are they actually joining when it's on live stream? It's just impossible. You can't do that. And you suddenly realize how oh, actually what the church is supposed to be actually is not able to function that way uh, when it's not physical. So actually what I'm hearing you is that you're making the point that the reason why I can actually be thriving, even though I'm watching live stream, I'm, get, I'm gathering in my CGs, is because I actually had all those physical gatherings previously. with these people previously, pre-COVID. That's right. And actually, it's capital that I've actually kind of like accumulated over like multiple unknown and maybe mini encounters. That's and, right. And that's why I'm, I'm like actually now reaping the benefits of all those things, right? That's exactly And in right. some sense that um, if we are not careful, we can be just spending on our savings and we find ourselves impoverished in like a few years' time. That's exactly right. So I mean, even for those that have built up a lot of that relational capital, you're right, those will deplete. And I think a lot of people in church have begun to find that over time. But if, mm. but what helps you realize how stark it is if you were to think about a new person coming during that period who hasn't got any of that history, right. they're not able to enjoy and actually be the church in a sense and enjoy what the church is if it's simply just... But that's like, because they don't have that... Um, Relational capital at all. That's right. Right, with anyone else in church. And that's what simply makes it so kind of stark at the same time. Yeah, and I think that there's a sense in which that we are not only called to enjoy, although I understand that experientially speaking, that we are those whom we gather most often, like our CGs are those whom we experientially connect to better. I, I, I absolutely understand that. But I think there's a sense in which that you lose sight of the larger church. Yes. You, you, you kind of think of yourself as an enclave, right? Uh, which is separated and sealed off from the rest of the church. I mean, you, you, you may not be actively thinking that way, but it can be functionally so because, and, and I think what happens on Sunday is that then you can, if you, if you come, they say, oh, actually there are all these things happening in the wider church. I mean, you just visually, it just gives you a lot of data information that you will not actually otherwise pick up if you're just like watching live stream at home. Yeah, so you, when you talk about an enclave, are you talking about like community groups? So you, you would have a group of say 15, 20 people that you're a lot closer to. That's right. But functionally speaking, that in practice becomes your church actually. That's right. Um, and I guess while we would recognize that, yes, there's a lot of the one anothering that does get experienced in that group, and mm-hmm. we don't want to deny that, the reality is your CG is not your church actually. Your CG is just one little part of the body that you happen to know better. Mm-hmm. But God does not command us to be part of a CG, but part of a body actually, a, a larger church where mm. there's elders and deacons and an entire body of very diverse people mm. that we are interacting with regularly um, and being exposed to. What do I what do I say someone who says that? I don't really see what I get, right? I'm enjoying my CG relationships. I'm enjoying life stream at home. I can sing out loud. I can really like enjoy this rich fellowship, right? I mean, what is it in for me, right? If they were asking you this question, right? For me to turn up in church on Sunday, for example. Yeah, so I think firstly, in one sense, the question's not the best question to ask because we don't want to motivate people purely by just what they can get for themselves. I think we want to help people Hmm. um, see what it is that God commands us and hopefully give them faith to be able to obey God's commands by mm-hmm. hopefully helping them see why he's commanded that mm-hmm. and see his goodness in that. Um, having said that, I think that there are certain benefits for people actually to, I think for ourselves to realize that you're part of a bigger body. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're part of other people that know and love Jesus actually. 
even to have that interaction of greeting people, meeting people, making mm. new contacts um, mm. and new friends and being able to build those relationships. That's The Bible says that those relationships are actually crucial for our spiritual growth. And right. uh, I don't think we should simply just reduce that to, to our community groups. I think there's a sense as well, without wanting to be super spiritual about it, where, yes, we know on the one hand, theologically, God is present everywhere. But there is a sense where God, I think, is present, especially where his people are gathered to worship him and mm. praise him. And yeah, some of that may be even mediated through just very natural things like watching others pray where there's a sense, oh, like this is a, a holy place, not because sinny leisure is particularly sanctified, but because right there, right then, right. God's people are actually devoting themselves to him and offering up praises to him. And I think there is a, a certain kind of a weight and a, and a seriousness about corporate worship that you're just not able to have when you're at home and tempted to quickly go to the bathroom or get apple out of the fridge or check your phone in a different way this it's certainly like a different kind of weightiness and i think part of that is actually good for our own spiritual health so i think that's definitely one thing that we should do but i think i would also encourage people to think not just about why is it better for you but why is this better for other people that you're called to love like i mean how are you loving your neighbor by Mm. Mm. those single people or that person who's had very little social interaction in the week who actually comes to church craving interaction with others and to to see and meet other people it's part of how we actually love god's people too so those are just some things i'd say but i'd love to ask you the same question why how would you help people think why it's important for them um to prioritize gathering well i think that the i think we asked we covered quite a lot of grounds uh but one of the ways that i i i think about it is which is reminded by what you said, actually, is that we don't, when we say that we don't simply consume sermons or just sing, there's a sense in which that we are actually going to Sunday worship. And that's actually what the word actually means, to worship. Right. We go there to participate and we are there. We have set aside this time. It's a time that's sacred, in a sense, right? And it's a sense that even it's not, not even the space itself that's sacred because is leisure is used for cinema for the rest of the week but there's a sense in which that the space itself even become holy because of God's people being gathering there that's right and um, like it or not it's, it's probably affect, affecting things like you feel less inclined to check your phone I'm not saying that that doesn't happen <laughs> I'm not saying that doesn't happen you feel <laughs> less inclined you it's, it's more like a we all know this by experience when you're actually in the physical presence of someone you find it harder. It takes more, much more effort to turn off and, and, and to do something else. But right. you find it a lot easier to do so when at home. That's right. Which means that the danger, I feel, of live stream, at, or just simply watching live stream at home, as good as it can be, is that it actually might foster a kind of a spectator mentality in worship right. rather than a participant yes. mentality. But we are there primarily actually even just participants. But then also as you said, it's like I think that the idea that we 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 would not also we definitely not be aware that we are part of a larger body until we're actually physically there. There's no other way for us to actually experience that. That's just right. sheer numbers on the screen of how many people are watching a live stream does not communicate that idea that we are actually now in the part of a larger body. These people who are made in the image of God, who are broken sinners, who are, but who also restore saints, and God is working in their in their lives. And there's a sense in which that all those little little um, bits of information, visual information that we collect on the Sunday, becomes like a way that 
God encourages us and encourages our hearts and actually builds our faith. That's a really, really great point. Really, really good. So I think it's good to recognize that, yeah, what God commands in terms of us gathering is not simply um, incidental, but it's actually very fundamental to our faith. And I guess what we don't recognize are the subtle ways that the way that we even yeah consume media can shape the very way that we understand our interaction with God, right? So in some sense, um, the means ends up forming and shaping the message itself. Um, mm. And so I really enjoyed what you said about how we're supposed to be participants in worship, actually engaged. And I think for many of us, we really find that a lot harder, which even if you were to simply reduce church just to the content delivery, which we know it's not, we've just been arguing against that. Uh, even that experience is actually so much further diluted when you're simply doing that by yourself at home. And I think that there's a way which we can think about this as well from uh, from the gospel itself. Because Christ um, took on flesh and dwelt among us. I think there's actually a serious thing, right? There's, there's actually such a, her- there's a heresy, it's called docetism, which means that Jesus only appeared to be human, but he actually didn't really come in flesh. Right. He's kind of like almost like a, a parishion or a spirit. A spirit. Which actually in a sense what God has done even in the Old Testament, right? They see the theophanies where he appeared yes. to Joshua and all that. But those <clears throat> were not enough for God to simply just appear to man in, in those forms. In very visible forms, right? Yes. They they saw an image of a man. But actually, when it comes to Christ, he actually has to truly take on flesh and dwell among us. Right. And I think that that speaks to a little bit about the, the, the genuineness of or, this, or the importance of physicality among us because um, to put to use simple terms Christ didn't simply zoom us <laughs> but he didn't die on zoom <clears throat> and he came for a physical gathering he came for a physical gathering so they can die a physical death among us That's right. and physically r- rise again and I think that the way we reflect that Christ has done that I don't, I don't see a better way to do that than us physically gathering as his people that's right. Because, yeah, but go on. Yeah, I think another another uh, part to add to that, which is uh, is that when Jesus was raised from the dead that we've just been remembering um, during mm-hmm. Easter, he was raised <clears throat> physically. So <clears throat> we've just been looking at the last couple of um, <clears throat> verses in Luke's gospel over the last couple of weeks at RHC. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus like physically appears and the disciples, because they thought he was dead, wonder if he was a spirit. And Jesus has to show them, look, here I am, touch me. Um, touch my hands right? Uh, and really kind of prove to them even mm. through eating food that he is, is physical and there are many implications of that but one of them is that you know heaven is going to be profoundly uh, real physical tangible we're going to have actual right. bodies um, it's not as though <clears throat> this experience of living with bodies here on earth is just a kind of intermediate state and we're going to graduate to heaven <laughs> where we'll just be floating around um, but actually the new heavens and the new earth are going to be profoundly physical and we will have real bodies. And so, yeah, what we do with our real bodies actually matters profoundly. And that's really important. It's, it's part of why Christians have, yeah, so many commands and, and, and belief about the physical body. What you do with our body, how we treat our body mm-hmm. um, really matters actually mm-hmm. because it's not incidental to our spiritual lives and our relationship with God, but fundamental because God has made us to be embodied creatures. I think what you say is absolutely right. And I think in a way... Actually, um, there's another angle we can think about physical gatherings, which is that we are actually being really counter-cultural because um, the way that the culture is developing now, 
with all the technology and digitization that's happening, it's very easy for people to have a dichotomy between their online life and their real physical life. Right. Right? In some sense they are like being docetic on themselves. They are like <laughs> they are like they're like, this is my real, this is a real me. That's like, that's why Facebook, social media, all that. Yeah, it's right? like a curated version of yourself that's not true to reality. Yes, but you see, but then physical gathering means that we are called to actually ultimately love people as who they are in their entirety. Yeah. You cannot really love people ultimately without actually even physically encountering them. I think that's what actually we learn from um, the incarnation of Christ, actually. I think that's part of the lesson that uh, we are learning and I think that we do well to be a signpost to the culture when we as a church we know that actually physicality is not something to be despised but something to be even to be celebrated even though I understand that we all comes in different shapes and forms I'm not particularly pleased with the form that I have <laughs> but then I nonetheless thank God that I have a form so <laughs> you have a you have a very unique shape it yeah. Um, should we wrap it up, actually? We should. I think uh, it's been great to just think a little bit more and delve into why physical gatherings are important. We know many of our listeners uh, may be in different places in, in their lives. Maybe some of their churches have resumed physical services. Mm. Some haven't. Maybe your church has, but you're unable to go because of health reasons or because of um, childcare options that are available. We really recognize that we're living in a very unique time. Um, and for some people, the journey back to physical services uh, may not have been a journey which is something you've completed yet. But I guess we do believe that even during this time, it's good to be reflecting uh, on the reality of what church is so that we can be, I guess, making wise decisions uh, from a solid theological foundation and so that we can yeah, hopefully have a desire inside of us to enjoy everything that God's given us. Uh, which would include gathering physically. So, Ed, before we wrap up, any uh, final thoughts from you? Um, I think there's an article that uh, we read together um, earlier this week. I wonder whether we can actually just uh, put up a link in, on, on the website or something um, where people can just refer to that. It's a, it's a great article, I feel, about the importance of actually just physically meeting people. Yeah, we'll uh, put a link to that on the, on the website. But the article, I believe, was... Uh, had small talk in the title it was by Megan Evans Hill if I remember correctly and can yes. be found at TGC so you could search for that otherwise you can look up on Gospel Central website thanks so much for joining us today hope you have uh, a great week and we look forward to seeing you again soon